Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Scummy Mummies podcast. So welcome to the Scummy Mummies podcast. It's me, Helen Thorne. And it's me, Ellie Gibson. And today we are joined by Jude Rogers. Jude, for the people at home, not for Jude, you already know who you are. Um, Jude is a writer, a journalist, a mother, and you've written for heaps of things. Heaps of really cool things. Is that, like, is that a new mag- a women's magazine? Heaps of things. <laughs> heaps of things. That's right. <laughs> You've written for really cool publications like The Guardian, The Telegraph, Marie Claire Red, The New Statesman, Vice, Q, Kin, The Pool, and you say, and anybody else that asks nicely. Um, but I'm also um, in brackets and pays generally Um, yes very important Um, and so your specialisation you write about lots of different things but you have mainly written about music in your career yes I started off writing about music mainly Um, I was in my mid-twenties so I basically wanted to go out to gigs every night and Mm -hmm. interview lots of you know sexy boys and indie bands mm. uh, I'm now 37 less interested in that fair enough um, oh, who's, the, who's the best person you've ever interviewed best person probably Tony Bennett oh. um, just because it was amazing sitting next to somebody you know like him older people are always better to interview as well mm. you know they have proper life stories and they don't care as much about you know looking cool don't interview a 22 year old who thinks he's the next big thing really really boring right worst <laughs> interview Alex Turner from the Arctic Monkeys oh really um, yeah why is that just really rude and really unpleasant and uh I hate the youth yes <laughs> and I I like the Arctic Monkeys and I liked him I think he's a great lyricist no he was no. horrible get back to the Arctic <laughs> yes Take your monkeys with you. <laughs> he was awful. Um, I'm sure he's very nice. Have you listening, Alex? I'm sure well, you are. You, well, no, you're not. Um, you just said he's an arsehole. <laughs> I, I don't know how much I believe that dude. Oh, yeah, he was very nice to me on that day. Maybe he got out of bed the wrong way. No, he, um, Tony Bennett was amazing. Um, oh, gosh, it's the, you know, it sounds funny. There's been lots of people who are amazing in different ways. It's um, generally people you don't expect. Um, Kylie, Kylie, can we talk Kylie about Minogue. Her? Yeah, Kylie Minogue was pretty amazing. Now, that was quite stressful because she doesn't really say anything in interviews ever, and I knew this. But um, I started by saying that um, I knew her... I knew her, her mum was Welsh we just started talking about Wales and she was speaking she tried to speak in Welsh to me oh. and tried to say the, the really long place name in Anglesey which you might have heard oh. um, isn't it funny like, when Australians try and do like British accents it's hilarious <laughs> isn't it it's so funny they like, can't do it they cannot do no, it no no <laughs> Kylie is tiny and I have a brilliant picture of her I'm seven, I was seven weeks pre- seven weeks seven months pregnant when I interviewed her and there's a picture of her next to my baby bump you know the baby <gasps> bump is bigger than her but she did pat it she blessed it your baby 
baby was yeah. blessed by Kylie. I should have called him Jason. And and I also noted you interviewed Justin Timberlake. Yes. Ooh. On my honeymoon. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a good honeymoon. Yes. Uh, uh, three of us all together. No, um, yeah, I interviewed him for Elle um, in 2011. Um, I was called by my editor um, asking if I'd come back for my honeymoon. I hadn't. But she said, oh, I was in New York next week. And I was in New York next week. So I had to kind of sidle up to my husband and say, Dan, you know, when we're in, um, you know, Manhattan having this amazing romantic time, do you mind if I slip off for an hour and interview somebody who I think is really quite sexy? <laughs> um, <laughs> And I did, and um, yeah, um, I did interview Justin Timberlake, who was quite disappointing. Oh, actually. really? Very cold. Oh, not particularly exciting. I thought he was really hot and amazing, which you know, I suppose he is in many ways. Yeah, but Kylie, great. Justin, not so great. But there we are. <laughs> what about what about Madonna? Have you ever have you ever come close? No, and I think I'd, I don't think I'd want to. Do to you? Be honest. Why? No, um, I'm too scared. Yeah. <laughs> Madonna and Morrissey I think people I've both loved in my life um, oh I don't really but don't really love them as much now in their older years when they've um, they're not as good as they used to be is all I should say in my, in my Ooh. opinion Ooh. Um, yeah no she'd have no truck with that yeah I shouldn't have truck <laughs> with that but no. I, ha- I have interviewed like somebody I really loved I interviewed Michael Stipe who was my <gasps> I always basically when I was a teenager I always fancied um, Pops as uh, who ended up turning to be gay, which is quite weird. Um, <laughs> Neil Tennant from the Pet Boys, Michael oh, Stipe, you know, certain kind of, you know, basically just miserable, intelligent man with nice eyes. Um, and yeah, interviewed Michael Stipe, and that was terrifying. Um, but he was lovely, and so that was good. And at the end of that year, um, I remember somebody said to me, "What was the best thing that happened to you this year?" And I said, "I interviewed Michael Stipe." And then my husband piped up, "We got married in April." <laughs> <laughs> So, um, that was that, really. Good Christmas card, that oh, one. Yeah. Yeah. Hooray for me! Yeah. No, but I know I know what you mean about being scared of Madonna. That's why we went over on the podcast, isn't it, Helen? No, She's always right. texting, going, oh, can I I'll just come on and talk about my new single? And we say, no, we're frightened of you. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, every week. Should we move on to our first segment? Oh, yes, what is it? It's called Motherhood Chat. Oh, yes. what a radical departure for this podcast. <laughs> I know. Love it. We're breaking walls down here. We really are. So should we just start off, Jude, by asking you about your family? Tell us about who your family are. So my uh, family, um, there's me, there's Dan, my husband, um, we've been together a long time, and our little boy, Evan, who is nearly 18 months. Named after the Dando? No, although everybody thinks uh, that is... I. I, I did love the Dando a lot and I did interview the Dando still hot still hot <gasps> love but him. I don't want my son to turn out like the Dando because that means he'll be nearly 50 and still smoking dope every day and that's, I don't want that to happen to no that. write that down uh, is that a legal problem now he was he was doing it in the room no he, I saw him um, but yeah, has, has motherhood been kind of what you expected it to be Jude um I don't know what I expected I, I, I knew I thought I'd be a good mum early on it was just more surreal than you know it was hard of course it was hard but everybody says it's really hard at the beginning when you're pregnant you think yeah I know I'm not an idiot you know I know it's not going to be a breeze um but it's just very surreal you're just thinking how do people survive on this little sleep and just sort of go on we do you sort of get these resources from somewhere um and you know just have a house full of washing and that's just the way it is um it's your spirit animal that's where you get it from <laughs> no I just wanted to see your face I didn't just see what you say. <laughs> My spirit animals. Helen knows me because she immediately just started laughing, but you were like, oh my god, what have I done? Why have I come on this oh, podcast? 
you know, people say so many things to you about it. And at this point, you think, oh, you know, enjoy them when they're little. It kind of, um, it gets, you know, it gets hard as they get older. And I actually, then people say, oh, it gets easier as they get older. And you're like, what? What is it? I don't know, you know. What what gets you through on, on the tough days, which, are, you know, we all have? What 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 are your sort of secret weapons for surviving motherhood? Um, on the, the, the days I have him when he's really whiny, um, Bing on CBeebies on the iPad. Ah, I thought you meant the unpopular Microsoft search engine for me. I was very confused. <laughs> yeah, he's very fast. What, the Crosby? Um, <laughs> <laughs> he likes some smooth jazz. <laughs> yeah, no, we like a bit of Bing. Yeah. yeah. Basically, yeah, but it's quite bad. It's got quite bad now um, because I, I try not, like a good mum, to, you know, just put him in front of the telly when I get up in the morning when I'm exhausted and I try and, you know, leave him with his toys and get him to do different things. But, you know, there's some mornings... You know, you need Bing. He likes um, rice cakes. Just ch- He's got to have one in each hand, otherwise he gets really annoyed. Oh. Um, he I love their crazy food. little That's like me and like wine. Like, yeah. You know, it's like, you've got, to, you've got to balance it out. For, from when I was re- he was very little, I did try and just get out as soon as possible. I was one of those mums that, you know, I wasn't a nester, just like, oh, we must be in our beautiful home. I was like, no, let's just get out and take you somewhere so I can have a conversation with a human being so mm. I don't feel completely Weather bad. spoons. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you wrote this article in uh, Kin Magazine about how you love in the middle of the night, you can just stare into your iPhone and you sort of, you were... You were thinking about you know mothers before the the magic you know iphone that you what were they doing in the middle of the night breastfeeding their kids yeah i don't know um obviously uh it's really good having some being able to have chats and send messages to fellow mums mm. especially when you've got a really little baby and especially in the middle of the night and you know you've got this child clamped to your boob for about an hour and you know you don't have to put rest the phone in the head you know so you've got free hand and it's actually it is good and you need I needed something to keep my brain going then you know Google can also be evil and make you Google everything that's slightly different you know well that's why you prefer Bing isn't it yeah yeah, yeah well exactly but um, yeah do not Google anything about your child's health because it will drive you insane and everybody will say it's your fault um, but yeah kind of, I, I found it amazing that um, you know mums could just stare into space for hours and not do anything you know could have um that's because in the 60s they were just on gin they were just they were, in, yeah. in a gin coma that's right, yeah. <laughs> and also they had a fag in that free hand as well don't forget you know that's right i think different that's true you know there's, there's something really true in that that you know because we're so used to having all this stimulation now which is great as you know grown women and we can find out anything we like we can we can make friends online we can get to know people we can find out what you know people like you and scummy mummies it's brilliant it's fantastic um but then when you have a baby, you could have, you almost, you know, your brain is still kind of go doing that, but it's just doing it all to this little kind of life source that kind of doesn't really respond and is quite mad. So you almost need to kind of have that correspondence with, you know. Other mad other, people. Other mad people. <laughs> you going. It's really, I just tried to start, you know, reading things. I remember when he was a little bit older, just starting to, uh, you know, I got a Kindle and that was really good to try and just, mm. even if it's reading a couple of pages of a book and I just stop thinking about the baby and you being a mum and just kind of go into another world and read something different. Mm. That's actually really good for you to just get out that headspace. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Are you listening, Amazon? Send us all your Kindles. Yes, please. Yes. Well, and pay your tax, yes. by the way. Uh, anyway. But don't get rid of Prime. We really like it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yes, you told. <laughs> the world's number one online retailer. Yes. Look forward to hearing your new policy change at the doctorate. Very good. So um, you wrote an article, another article recently about how being having a child has made you sort of focus a bit more and has actually been quite good for your career in that respect. Would you say that? Yeah, it's funny. I find I'm doing as much freelancing now that I was doing before I had Evan, um, but just on a lot less time. Mm. Um yeah, I'm the kind of person that I need to be doing 300 things to be happy anyway. I'm mm. just one of those people. Do you like a list, Jude? I do like a list, yes. but they're usually not crossed off. At the end of the <laughs> right. Yeah, the yeah, list yeah. develops subsections and branches and it oh. goes a bit mental. Have you tried bullet journaling? Oh, what's that? Oh, you'll love it. I won't go into it now because people will turn off in their droves. But, <laughs> but Google it or Bing it. Bing it later. <laughs> <laughs> It's good. It's good. It's <laughs> Ellie will show you her book later with yes. great pride, like a child who's just drawn oh. a picture of a fire truck. But yeah, just kind of, yeah. you just get on with it. Um, you realise how much you love it, and actually how much it's about who you are as an individual, which is really good to remind yourself when you've had a baby because you kind of um, you feel that person like drifting into the distance sometimes. <laughs> it's when, when if my son goes to nap, but I can have ten minutes, just kind of. Working out where I am with my work and all that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, cool. That's me. That's what I'm doing. Now I'll do some more laundry. (laughs) But with that, do you struggle? Because I struggle because being freelance as well, I struggle a bit with like, um, because I'm like you, I want to do loads of things and I like having loads of things on the go. But then often like I'm trying to do a bit of work, but I'm feeling guilty because, you know, you have stuck him in front of Bing or, you know, I am playing with my son, but I can't, my mind is like still finishing that blog post yeah. or like how do you cope with that yeah that, I do find that quite quite hard um, and it's very hard not to check your emails uh, when you're a freelancer because people don't call you anymore they just email you and expect you to drop everything yeah including yeah. the baby and uh, answer what I try and do is um, if we're going somewhere like say we're going to toddler sense and there's a bit long road between me and Leightonstone. I'll just check my emails while I'm pushing him in the buggy. And I'll say, but I'll say to him, Mammy's checking her emails now. Guess all the wonder who this is from. <laughs> so I try and do those things when I feel like it doesn't matter because he's looking at a tree or something. Mm. Or he's, you know, yeah. got his rice cakes in his hand or something like that. But yeah, it is hard. It is hard. I remember reading something when I first started going back to work um, on an American website about, you know, the freelance with a homeworking mum and how she lives her life. And basically it was like, you get up, you give them some breakfast, you let them play for two hours um, while you work, they have a nap, then they have their lunch, and then they play again on their own for two hours, and then you do some more work. It's like, in what world can you do four yeah. hours work and you've got a baby? Because obviously they just sit there, you know. Is this kid's had a lobotomy or something? You know, what's going on? Yeah. Um, and uh, it's just it's just insane. I'm lucky that um, I my editor, The Observer, who's amazing, um, she's got two sons. Um, who are a little bit older now, but um, she knows exactly mm. how it is. And she's done brilliant things like, you know, there's an interview she wants to, on the phone she wants somebody to do. And she's realised, oh, it's at eight o'clock at night. Oh, Jude can do that because Evan will be in bed by then. You feel like you don't want to kind of bang on too much sentence like, oh, I've got all kids because obviously loads of people have got kids. But um, if you have people understanding, that helps a lot. And so I generally try and pitch my work or kind of be in touch with the editors who are going to be more responsive to mm. that. So, um, so you've, you've written about music a lot and also about parenthood, but one particular aspect of motherhood you've spoken about recently um, was miscarriage, which you read about in the pool and yeah. also previously in Grazia. Um, and both articles got this enormous response. Was yeah, that, was that something you were quite surprised about? Like, it's funny, kind of. I was. It, it might sound silly, but I was hopeful that I would get, I would get a response because mm. I think. 
um, basically when I wrote it, it was um, Baby Loss um, Awareness Week um, and the Miscarriage Association, which is this brilliant organisation that really helped me when I, I miscarried um, my first pregnancy. Um, I was uh, seven weeks pregnant. When I miscarried and talk, started talking to friends about it, you know, I found friends, you know, quite... Um, you know, not my best friend of people I thought I would knew quite a lot about who'd miscarried and hadn't talked about it. And of course, it's your own prerogative. You want to kind of grieve privately. That's absolutely fine. Um, but I, you know, with a few people, there was a sense that they would have liked to have talked about it. Mm. Um, and there's still a twelve-week thing, which mm. um, you know, I, I it, it's 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 such a pressure. You know, it's like you know, who is that for? You know, that, that you shouldn't tell anybody for twelve weeks pregnant. It's not for you. It's for other people because mm. they won't know what to do if you lose the baby. Um, there's kind of not. It's just not talked about in a way that's particularly helpful you know I was very lucky that when I got pregnant the second time which was a pregnancy that which I had my son um I had a lovely doctor male doctor who was brilliant and he said when I was pregnant again you know um I have to tell you, you know it's a pregnancy but you know this might happen and that might happen and I'm not saying this because you miscarried before but this is something I tell everybody I thought I wish people just were a bit more open about the fact that pregnancies don't necessarily end in this you know mm. this baby um it's in fact it's one in four i think yeah there's the the nhs say one in five but i've read quite a few studies that say one in four mm. you know so that is which i never insane. knew before mm. i got pregnant and yeah. then i yeah you get in the literature and you're like oh right actually yeah you know mm. <laughs> and then you start doing the usual things that um I, I wrote about in my pull piece you know even if you're a very sensible rational intelligent woman which of course i am <laughs> of course um i mean people are a lot more sensible rational intelligent than me mm. they still feel guilt and shame that somehow it may be something they have done you know when I had um I lost the baby um when I was five weeks pregnant I'd been to Norway because I was going to this music conference in which I was interviewing Nena Cherry and I wasn't going to miss that and you know I took it very easily it was icy I barely left the hotel you know um, and I ended up you know having to tell a few people I was pregnant because I'm thinking what's wrong with her and I was just like, oh, I must have been that. And, you know, which is ridiculous because it's not, you know, being out till midnight is not going to make you lose a baby. And I was taking care of myself and doing all the usual stuff. But you know, there's people who don't take care of themselves at all and have, you know, healthy full-term babies. Mm. But you just kind of, I think it's partly as well, the generation we are, that, um, you know, and as women we expect, you know, lives to kind of uh, be logical and be able to, we can solve problems for ourselves because we have all these resources. And if something happens that's outside that and pregnancy and motherhood you know, it's not like that. You've got yeah. to sort of be adaptable and just let things go sometimes. Um, but, you know, it's funny that women have to almost be quiet and keep, you know... Yeah, I'm not sure about that whole 12-week thing because I feel... And it becomes like a superstitious thing. And yeah. I sort of hate superstition generally. Mm. I think it's really weird. And and I remember, like, being pregnant with Charlie and I told, like, my parents and, like, um, I think maybe two close friends and one of them I told him and he and he said wow that's amazing I said don't tell anyone because of the 12 weeks and he was like oh I almost wish you hadn't told me and I said why and he said well what if something goes wrong and I said well if something goes wrong I'm gonna be really upset and as one of my I'll closest friends yeah <laughs> I'm not gonna be able to hide it from you anyway so I'll tell you that something's gone wrong and then hopefully mm, you'll yeah. help me deal with it I feel like it's weird that we've created that yeah. and I don't know how useful it is I'm not sure I think a lot of people are like that as well and uh because you know this, it's a very difficult sort of loss, and I wrote about that as well. You know, you're you're grieving, mm. and you're you know um, something has died. But it's you know we also are from this generation, women. You know that we you know we don't necessarily think of um, you know embryos as babies, especially if we're pro-choice. We think you know this is you know a collection of cells, or it's not you know. But 
you know, I had, you know, the baby from my first pregnancy was three centimetres long. I had a fetal pole, but we don't know if there was ever a heartbeat. But still, there was a start of something. And as I write, wrote in the piece, it's not necessarily just about that creature or whatever you want yeah. to call it. But it's about, you know, the life that you've projected mm. ahead. You know, you think, yeah. oh, wow, you know, I got pregnant at the end of January. And I didn't think I was pregnant. I was convinced I wasn't pregnant that month. And... Um, and I was very surprised to find out. And then I thought, oh, the end of the year, we'll have a baby. Well, Christmas, the baby. And then that next Christmas, we didn't have a baby. You yeah. know, I was pregnant again, but um, I remember thinking about it a lot. You know, we could have mm. had, you know, and, and I always think of that other, you know, don't always think about it. I'm, you know, I don't think about it very often now, but that week I did think about it. You know, God, what might have happened? And yeah. um, and I think it's good to talk about these things because, you know, it obviously ended because something wasn't right. And that's, that's obviously fine. But, uh it's amazing that people don't feel like, you know, it's something about shame and guilt and about responsibility, um, and it's not your fault. And yeah, and it's about that woman's things, like you know, yeah. and 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 people still don't want to talk about if they're having a hysterectomy or they're having yes. problems conceiving, yes. and all that sort of stuff. That that is that woman's shame that you have to. There's something terribly wrong with you. Because you're, you're not barren, a proper woman. Yeah, the barren, barren woman. Yeah. You're not the you know wide hips. You know, babies falling out of you. You know, childbearing woman. Yeah. And, there's, and there's and you know that association. But it's yeah, it can they're be very really difficult. difficult. Yeah. yeah, they're very difficult things to talk about. But you know, we've got to a point in our lives where we know being a woman is not to do with where you have ovaries and boobs even you know all kind of all things are functioning we know that but mm. when we get to these issues of fertility suddenly we just go back decades somehow and as I said I said in the piece and a few people have picked up on this line you know it's amazing how mean we are to ourselves when we're at our weakest how we kind of blame ourselves when we're at our weakest it's, it, I find it interesting talking to previous generations about it my mother had um, definitely had one miscarriage probably too but um you know they weren't really talked about then as well um but in some ways motherhood um people were a lot less anxious about certain things because i guess you know we, we want our babies to be really well and we want all these expectations there are people slightly lower expectations then i think because you know i don't know it, it, we put there's lots of pressures that women put on themselves now and i think this is why that the issue of miscarriage ready to pop the question the jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. 
They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Still a big issue. I know you've mentioned in the article about um, friends didn't talk to you about your miscarriage. And yeah. Stuff. Do, you, do you think... I found that really hard. Yeah. Um, just, just because, you know, I'm the kind of person that really appreciated um, friends saying, do you want to have a chat or do you want to come for a drink or something like that? You know, I just wanted to be around people. Mm. Um, yeah, I had a few friends who... I basically sent an email a couple of days after it had happened to friends saying, you know, this has happened because I just didn't want to call up everybody individually. Mm. Um, and a few of them didn't know I was pregnant. And uh, I had a couple of friends just email me and said, oh, God, I'm really sorry, blah, But they... But, you know, the friends, I really, you realise who your friends are. Like, some of them just phone me straight away. Oh, my God, do you want me to come over? Do you want me to, you know, do you want to come out tomorrow? Do you want me to come around and make some food? And that was brilliant, you know. that. And even if we didn't, it was the gesture. Mm. I think people don't really know. Um, they're so worried about how they should respond and whether they should be saying the wrong thing. A lot of these people just think, you know, just, just talk to me. You know, it doesn't matter if you say the wrong thing. Just saying something is actually quite important. I think it is frightening. I've never had a miscarriage, though. Of course, I know people who've, who've had them. Yeah. And it is, I am frightened of what to say because I feel like there's nothing I can say, of yeah. course, that is really going to make it better. There's nothing I can say that's going to change anything or, or change how they feel about it. So, so then, what, I'm frightened. I would say something yeah. equally insensitive without meaning to that would just, you know, really upset someone. A few friends of mine said um, the Miscarriage Association did a campaign during this baby loss awareness week to to write something on a piece of paper to thank somebody who'd done something. And I've got friends Catherine and Ruth who both said to me separately, "Do you want to talk about it?" And I said, "Yeah, just order a drink or something." We went out for a drink, and it was lovely. And they didn't re- they didn't even know each other that well. But we just chatted, and. You know, um, and I remember, I think it was Catherine said, you know, if I say anything that's really insensitive, do tell me. Um, and, you know, obviously, I might say the wrong thing, you know. And just saying that mm. helps because, you know, some people would say, you know, at least, you know, you can get pregnant, which some people can find helpful, some people find really unhelpful because, you know, you could get pregnant 10 times and miscarry every time. But basically, if it's a friend of yours, you know, just think about how they are normally and how they react to mm. things normally and just read that, I guess. The best people was a friend of mine who had her first baby a week after I miscarried. Mm. And I obviously wanted, we wanted to go around and see them and I was just, you could imagine, I was mm. just really worried about how I'd be. And um, we were talking, I saw him and saw her, we were chatting and, and she was just, the first thing she said was, like, how are you doing? She said, thank you for coming over. She said, you know, if, if this gets hard, you know, I don't mind, you know, but um, you know, we want to do what's best for you, whatever. And she asked me if I wanted to hold him, and I said I did, and I held him, and I just started to cry, and Aww. it was really hard. Mm. And and she said, do you want me to take him? No, I'll give me give him a little cuddle because he's lovely. And um, though people will go through, we go through a really really tough time, and they will be having to work it out. Um, just giving them a little bit of, you know, a hand on the shoulder. Mm. Um, is you know you don't have to have you know long protracted conversations unless mm. they really want to but just that phrase do you, do you want to talk about it yeah I found really helpful sometimes I did sometimes I didn't but um, you know kind of talking about how people don't talk about talk about it actually <laughs> helped me you know yeah but it's just um, you know keeping that the, not not ignoring it completely because I think the complete ignorance of it is when it's very very hard pretending it's not happened because mm. it has happened that's mm. mm. it well there we are um, <laughs> a little bit less jolly than 
some of the topics we're going to cover on the podcast. Um, but no, like you say, I think it's it's good to Sorry. talk about it. Again, finally eradicating the last vestiges of serious empathy by playing games. Sorry, keep talking. So that, but that's basically your advice to, to keep talking about and to ask people if they want to talk about it and let them take the lead. Yeah, mm. definitely, definitely, and. Um, and don't worry if, you know, if you're worried about being insensitive. Just you know, maybe say to them, you know, if I'm insensitive, then call me an asshole or something. Tell them nice to each other about eight times a day. Yeah. Or I'll say maybe if I sing about it, it'll be less offensive. Well, let's have the next section of the podcast. Yeah, let's move on. Now, according to your website, Jude, which is it, JudeRogers.com, uh, it says uh, I've done a radiophonic workshop with Paul McCartney, been made a cup of tea by Robert Plant, shared a prep salad with Bjork. What what salad was it? It was a mackerel. Oh. It was a fancy prep in New York. They like oh. fish, don't they? The Icelandics. <laughs> <laughs> had a Barney with Ben Goldacre, been serenaded by Randy Newman and wasn't quite sure what to do when Cat Power had a pee in front of me. Oh, wow. Oh, what, what, how did that come about? Rock and roll, man. That was when uh, Cat Power was in London. Um, she was normally from Brit. This is about 10 years ago for her album, The Greatest. And yeah, she was in a hotel room in a T-shirt and a pants and was basically farting quite a lot and scratching around in her underwear. It's like this podcast. Um, she's a bit of cold she was in bed that's why she wouldn't be in bed and um, but on the way out um, the, it was just a hotel room and mm. the toilet was next to the door and I was just leaving with her publicist next to me um, and she just you know walked into the toilet pulled on her pants and had a wee rock and roll and oh, like, so yeah you've, you've, you've lived quite a life as a music journalist you've you know rock and roll what's the most yeah, rock I'm and really roll ro- thing you've ever done I'm not um, the most rock and roll thing I've ever done um Ever thrown oh. a telly out of a window? No, I've never thrown a telly out of a window. Burnt a goat. <laughs> Snorted cocaine off of Betty Boo's tits. No. <laughs> if only. Oh, oh. I'm you... such a head girl. I'm kind of like, people just kind of don't, you know. I think I'm the only music journalist who's never been offered cocaine. I think that's, you know, true. I'm kind of Do you think they there. know? They look at the pop stars, they look at you and they go, no, she's too no, straight. straight. It's yeah. like, oh, not awful. I like a drink. Yeah. Um, so you go to a lot of gigs. You said you just went to one recently in in Dublin. And I mean, are gigs more exciting now that you're a mum? Like the fact that you get to, I think you were saying on the way here when we were chatting that you went to Kate Bush. Yeah, I did. You saw the bush. I saw the bush I in saw... the bush. Yeah, in the bush. Yeah, uh, twice. <laughs> Do you like Bush, Helen? <laughs> what the band? <laughs> sure. You were really into Bush at university. Yeah, course, not since, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you peaked in second year and then dwindled off. <laughs> Trimmed. Um, sorry, so sorry, Jude. Yeah, uh, you were saying about Kate Bush. It's made me think of a band Bush now, which made me, I feel pretty ill. Um, yes, I saw Kate Bush. Um, I saw her on the opening night Ooh. of her gigs. I was asked to review the gig. Uh, for Pitchfork, the American music mm. website, um, and so basically, see the gig on Tuesday night. Write it up by one o'clock on Wednesday, so it's ready to go up at you know nine a.m. for the American. You're audience. releasing the bush. Yeah, releasing the bush into the wild. Yeah. Um, this is when I had a four-month-old baby. Fuck me. Um, so you know, when I was asked, it was like, yes, yes, of course I do. It was very exciting. Um, uh, but uh, it was the first time I'd left. I'd been out on my own in the evening. Um, and I wasn't with any friends. I was getting a tube from one end of London to the other. Mm. Longest tube journey ever. Because, you know, I was so excited about going out. And as you know, 
two seconds down the road, it was like, oh, where's my baby? Um, your, mu- your milk just sort of just explodes. <laughs> yeah, thankfully. I People was... thought it was part of Kate Bush's act. They were like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> really, it's comes... stagecraft, isn't it? <laughs> Here comes an emotionally unstable lactating woman. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> but thankfully, I was not the kind of mum that could have did have exploding boobs. Um, although I had, um, I did go to Denmark um, to interview Sophie Grabol from The Killing and it was getting towards the end of breastfeeding. Boobs were in agony. And, um, so it was like a crime scene. You were just like, ah! Oh. Yeah. Well, basically, she said, how are you? And I was like, I've just been in the toilet for 20 minutes trying to get milk out of my boob. Um, and um, she was great because she had kids and it was fun. She was like, get one of these jumpers and just keep them down. Wait. <laughs> Stops them hitting you in the eye. Oh. But yeah, the Kate Bush gig, it was, it was quite it was quite weird. It was very emotional kind of being out away from your baby anyway for the first time and then you're watching... The, you know, this woman that I'd loved all my life playing her first gig in you know 30 mm. years that was pretty 35 years very well, emotional so we talked earlier about you know um, some of your, your favourite interviews but is there anyone like who's still on your on your wish list is there anyone you'd just love to, to talk to I'd love to interview Jarvis Cocker in person mm. although I've t- interviewed on the phone a couple of times and he's you know very sharp and you know kind of um, it's always nice to interview. I, I really like interviewing actors. I, I like going upside music because I've done so many music interviews. Um, I interviewed um, Chiwetel Ejiofor when I was uh, pregnant and quite hormonal. And uh, I remember I was kind of having this stage that um, I just wanted to eat all the time. Um, and, and you ate him. <laughs> I ate him. Sorry, just nibbled on his feeling quite kind of I, I don't know just feeling quite kind of happy and all this and suddenly this is one of the most beautiful men I've ever seen in my life is I haven't breakfast me I was just I just wanted to stand up and jump down and go yes look at this this is brilliant yeah that's one too breakfast with a handsome man Daniel Craig oh. over a croissant yeah. but um, you know I think uh, people are always at, you know are you going to play Bond in the next one just ask him something else you know he's going to he's given that answer 300 times you know think of it, uh, doing it another way what would you ask him what would if you saw the Craig would you like to ha- no <laughs> Um, would you I like a cuddle? Yeah. Would you like a special cuddle with me? Are you any relation to Craig David? Just, <laughs> just mix it up a bit. Just ask him something unexpected. Bet nobody's ever asked him that. No. Yeah. Now, what about driving music? I oh. do. I do. Because I've got. I've got them CD disc changers in my car. So I'm always asking people. Multi-disc. Yeah. Like, what's your desert island driving disc? Uh, Abergold. Oh. Ooh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Basically, lots of banana rama, always. Yeah. Mm. Half work, always, always good on motorways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What about you, Helen? What do you What do you like in the car? Uh, I, I do like a big sing along, so I like a bit of eighties pop as well. And um, and Ellie has introduced me to the Mac as well because oh. we do a lot of like tour driving, and um, and now I'm, I've been convinced that the Rumours album is the oh. Rumours is the literally the second best album in the history of the world, and it is the best album for having in the car on a Sunday. So what's the first? Is it the best of Fleetwood Mac? Uh, it's Graceland by Paul Simon. Oh, that is... surprises a music journalist you don't know that. I'm quite sure. <laughs> To be honest, do you know yeah. what Paul um, Paul Simon's complete solo back catalogue is regular in our car? Uh, yeah. One of the first things I did as a music journalist was review all Paul. I was asked to review all his solo albums um, for one for one seven hundred word piece. I was like, oh my god, this is terrifying. But yeah, Graceland is brilliant, and uh, that's my husband's one of my husband's favourites. So just turn oh, that up. Never, never Amazing. gets dull. You can't beat a bit of cultural appropriation. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> 
Well, that's that's music chat, isn't it? We've you know we've identified the best album in the history of music and yeah. the second best. So yeah, done. I'm, I'm just going to quit my job now. Yeah, yeah. no, music journalism is over. Right, next next segment, which is one of my favourites, is book chat. Book chat. Book chat. Book chat. Now, Jude, you've got a new kids book coming out. I do. It's very oh. exciting, and it's a it's 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 about music. It's called Pop with an exclamation mark. Oh. And it's a history of pop music for kids. In Comic Sans? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> In Comic Sans, never. Never. That's ever. the rule of children's book writing. It's a rule of life. Really. Yeah. It's a rule of life. Rule of existence. So, so it's like a non fiction book, is it? It's like a. Yeah, so it's kind of for, for kids, uh, hence the name. Um, and it's um, basically for under five year olds, but I think, you know, I'm 37 and I quite like looking at it. Um, <laughs> obviously, it's not an encyclopedic, you know philosophical treatise about pop music <laughs> but it's about um you know what pop music um can make you want to do and and why people write it and um so it's about how it makes you like um dancing and jumping and doing things um and how different kinds of people like to do it some people do it who are kind of shy some people do it who are lad some people do it for different reasons some people um, who are on a lot of drugs yes yeah people like dressing up but it's quite nice um <laughs> I think that's what, what good pop music really is. You know, mm. I think sometimes these these days she says something old, but um, when pop music um, is made by the same sort of producers, sort of sounds all the same, it sort of loses some of its. You know, you know. I think when I grew up in the eighties, you know, you had Mark Almond from Soft Cell, who was as gay as a window with lots of makeup on. You had Adam Ant, who was, you know, that's a kid's fancy dress costume, perfectly done there. You know, mm. kind of um, you, you dandy high woman. Do you think? That, do you think that it's a shame that it's kind of changed? I mean, I'm, I can't really. I'm trying to think of who kids have nowadays, like oh, Rihanna and like yeah, and like Megan Trainer. I guess kids are like, but like she's not, she's not Adamant, is she? You know, no. Um, you know, there's people like Taylor Swift. I know it's pretty good role model. Um, although I think she's almost kind of too goody goody sometimes. Um, <laughs> but the, what has been quite fun with it is doing lots of references to pop music that the parents will like. So there is a little, um, there's a child that's dressed up as Morrissey with some flowers. Um, and uh, we have um, people looking in a big dressing up box to dress up like pop stars. But it's just mm. a very simple, sweet little book, I hope anyway. So what's the book called again? It's called Pop with an exclamation mark. Yeah. And it is out at the end of January. Excellent. Well, that's book chat, isn't book it? Book chat. Johnny Good. Now, well, uh, it's time now for our Scummy Mummy Confessions, is mm, it not? Yes, it is. Okay, Helen, do you want to kick us off? Yes. Um, so, yesterday I was at home and my kids were running around and a neighbour came over, a kid neighbour, and they ran outside. So I thought they went outside. So I went out to look for them. And when I got inside, they'd run inside and my child had jumped off the bed hit his head and the other one had pooed his pants all oh. within like a minute oh. <laughs> like how did that happen so that was it's a really short and sweet scummy mummy confession i lost my kids and then they had an injury and shat themselves it's like a scummy mummy mystery excellent Jude, do you have a confession for us is it as as, as a scummy as a scummy mummy honorary member for today? Um, my I was at the farm last week. With my son he loves farm animals at the moment. He likes just mooing all the time. Um, so we went to the farm and um, and some turkeys came out of the um, turkey enclosure and um, two of them started running after my son. Now turkeys are scary anyway, mm. and they're quite big. You know, they're the same height as Evan is. He's quite short, but it's the same height as him. And he was running away from them, like, upset. And um, the, fir- the first reaction I wanted to do was just to take a video of it. <laughs> um, I put it on the internet, and I was thinking that this would be really good on... Um, 
uh, you'd be framed. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't get my phone quickly enough, and then I realised I probably should just chase him in case he was packed up. Uh, well, my confession for this episode is um, that very, very recently I was recording a podcast with an eminent music <coughs> critic. And uh, while she was telling a very funny story about her own child, uh, my child did a gigantic poo in his nappy. And now she's sitting right <laughs> next to me and I'm just waiting for the moment where she sniffs it and <laughs> announces that she has to leave immediately. So, is that why you were so quiet, Joe? You were just backing one out. Yeah. Just, just gently <laughs> coiling, coiling the snake. There we go. <laughs> so sorry about that, Jude, but thanks for coming. <laughs> We have reached the end of the podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Scaring Mummies or on Facebook. Yay! Yay! Thanks, Jude Rogers. Thank yeah, you. Thanks so much. And your book again, it's called Pop! Pop! Exclamation mark. It's a, a history of pop music for kids. And it's out in January. So in January, Fishton Press, available from all good bookshops. Uh, yes. can, you, can you pre-order it on Amazon? Uh, yes, you can. But you shouldn't because they don't pay the tax. No. All right. So, <laughs> website. Go to your website. Very nice. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Bye-bye! I love Craig David. Oh. <laughs> oh, that was like a moment of sympathy for Craig David. Let's, oh, let's yes. Two minutes silence, please. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.